0: Right now, get up to 30% off at BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com.
1: It is episode 267 of Red Sox Beat presented by CLNS. This is Josh Lewin, and thank you for hanging with us here. Recording this on a Monday. You're probably listening to it on a Tuesday or Wednesday. I don't know what you do and and how you live your life. I'm not going to judge. But anyway, I I mention that because now that we're actually playing baseball for reals, as the kids say, The the standings do tend to change, so I'm I'm just trying to throw it out there that as of this recording, they're six and nine and in fourth place, and nobody's super excited about that. But uh, they've won three out of four. This was after going three and eight to start the year. They're three and one since then. When they get up there to five runs or more, they tend to win. And Mitch Moreland has six home runs and only 31 ABs as we're recording this right now. That's Fred Lynn stuff right there to to start a season and Mitchie actually did this to start last season too it's just nobody noticed because the team got out two and eight but uh, the pitching is getting a little better although there's already been so much turnover we'll get into a lot of that as we go forward here's what we are doing on Red Sox beat number 267 in the weirdest quote-unquote year there's ever been I keep saying it's not a regular season anyway It's, it's quite an irregular season and I think we all have to be at peace with that Chad Jennings will come by and talk to us kind of point by point about what is going on with the Red Sox, what he's hearing. He's closer to being on the ground than I am right now. So a wonderful writer, good guy. Chad Jennings will take us through what he's hearing. And for those of you wondering, are we ever going to see Bobby Dahlbeck? I don't know if we're going to see him this year. Remember, he had to, uh, to fight through the COVID protocol back around a month ago. They don't really need him quite yet as of this taping. But we might see Bobby And he's a fascinating kid, so we'll kind of tip back towards our spring training interviews, dip into that, and let you hear what he sounds like, just in case we never actually see him play here in 2020. So, again, the Red Sox are winning more than they lost this past week. The Yankees are starting to falter a little bit. They don't look like the perfect team anymore. Stanton is injured. They're pitching has issues. Yankees and Rays were chirping at each other, yelling at each other all weekend. That was kind of fun to see from afar. Also interesting, of course, to see the A's and the Astros go at it. Of course, Ramon Laureano, Alex Cintron, all of that. So we have sports. Uh, I think that's the key takeaway here. Sports keep coming back. So does your chance to bet on sports with our exclusive wagering partner, betonline.ag. MLB has, of course, restarted. It's in full swing. A lot of prop bets you can get in on, and as sports hopefully start to return more and more remember bet online has sat down with eddie george robert Horry, harold reynolds a lot of cool people getting their opinions on what it's like playing without fans what they've called pandemic. Uh, here go to uh visit betonline.ag today you can check out all of the odds and up-to-date sports news don't forget to sign up take advantage of all the welcome back stuff they've got going on bet online your online wagering experts again It's online, and uh, we we would very much like you to continue with them because they're continuing with us. Makes the world go round. So Chad Jennings, going to join us. Should we just dip right in? It's not a perfectly recorded interview because we're in the times of COVID, so I know this isn't going to sound perfect, but for what it's worth, here we go. And we're so glad he's doing that through the magic not of Zoom but some wacky recorder call thing that I've got going on my phone. We're all making adjustments here, obviously, Chad. And first of all, thanks for, for stopping by again. People love your insight. How are you adjusting? I mean, we're, we're looking at games that have no fans. There are reporters there all spread out. You're looking down at cardboard cutouts, but nothing much more than that. How are you finding the 2020 season other than bizarre?
2: Yeah, it's a it's an adjustment on two ends, really. You know, my my wife and I have a three year old and a one year old, so that's sort of the the first challenge is just figuring out physically how to <laughs> be available yeah. to do my job. Um, and then once I'm there, you know, either, whether I'm at the ballpark or if I'm, you know, just sitting in my basement on a Zoom call or whatever, watching the games on the road on TV, it, it's trying to figure out then how to how do you write about this season? You know, it, it honestly the the fact that that They just hit 15 games and we're a quarter of the way through the season. I mean, that snuck up on me. You know, it was, I was kind of trying to write something about the uh, about the struggles of the offense. And, you know, you just write 15 games. And then it just sort of at some point while I'm writing it, I thought, oh, my God, that's they're a fourth of the way through the year. You know, it, it's, right. uh, it, it, it makes it really – it's really odd. And, and you know, it, and I think you can see it, too, you know, in some of the evaluation that's happening both from those of us sort of watching from the outside and and those inside, You know, I mean, 15 games into the season, you know, I looked it up the other day that 15 games in the season last year, Mookie Betts was hitting like 230. And, you know, that's Mookie Betts. Now, he obviously turned it around, had a very good season, but if Mookie Betts were hitting 230 a quarter of the way through the year this year, that would be a huge story. Um, you know, and, and you're seeing that with a lot of guys, with J.D. Martinez, Rafael Devers, some guys who are off the slow start. It's kind of like you're, you're you're stuck between two worlds, which is the reality of this season where you go, okay, that slow start is a real problem because that slow start is now a quarter, you know, we're a quarter of the way through the year. But also it's still baseball. It's still 15 games of baseball. So how much do you, do you really just go, oh, okay, J.D. Martinez is probably not going to be good for the next 45 because his first 15 were bad. Right? I mean, you don't know – it's a it's a hard thing to know really what to make of all of this because it's just all so it's all just so completely different from anything we're used to.
1: Yeah, and I think we're all getting used to this conversion rate now too, right? I mean, every game yeah. is worth 2.7 games, so I mean, every at bat basically is worth 2.7 at bats. And I I look at Charlie Blackman hitting 440, and I'm thinking, well, you know, he's at Coors Field, the weather is warm, that mm-hmm. team is winning, and he's only got 44 more games to go. You know, I mean, so it, your mind starts playing little tricks on you. So that's a good one, Charlie Blackman. Let let me get you to what you were writing about recently on The Athletic, which is there's not a lot of Charlie Blackman going on with the Red Sox. In fact, as you and I are speaking, our team batting average is .236. Uh, they're not hitting much with, with men on base, scoring position, all of that. Uh, you, we're looking at what Fangraph deems as high-leverage situations. They're hitting a buck 43, without an extra base hit uh, when you when you put it into that silo. Only the Royals and Phillies are down there with them. So what's going on other than, I mean, like you kind of suggested, it's only 15, 16, 17 games, but uh, Benintendi, Martinez, what are we looking at here?
2: Yeah, I think it's, it's interesting to see it where the, the team is so split, you know. I mean, it's really half the roster has been pretty good. I mean, Vasquez has been good. Uh, Xander's been pretty good. Those a lot of Xander's good numbers really come from that one four-hit game. But but even since then he's been good. He's walked a lot. He's gotten on base a lot. Um You, you know, I mean Kevin Pillar has been good in, in this sort of part-time role that he's in. Mitch Moreland has been terrific. Um So there there are guys who are making it work. But, but yeah, I mean you look at I think with everyone else you can you wonder how much just again it, it's hard to say whether it's an ex- for it, because every time they talk about, like, oh, I can't watch video or something that feels like an excuse, but it also maybe it's the reality for some of these guys. I mean, watching video of every at-bat is what made J.D. Martinez so from a guy who was released at the end of spring training to a, I mean, a legitimate superstar in the game. If he, he, he is a guy who just studies and studies and studies, and so now to, to this season take that away from him, where he's not allowed to watch video of his at bat it seems like that's really had a huge effect on him. And and I thought the opposite would happen, honestly. When I found out they were not going to have video and games, I thought, oh, this will show these guys that they're probably overthinking it. You know what I mean? I thought, well, you you don't need to watch every little thing. Just go out there and hit. And I bet this will show them that, you know, you just – you're probably overdoing it, overthinking it a little bit. Just go out and hit. Be a hitter and just go – and. For some guys, you know, Christian Vasquez is a big video guy who, who really modernized his swing last year. His numbers have stayed pretty good this year, even without video. But J.D. is a different hitter. I mean, he is, he just, in every way, whether it's just the sort of standard numbers that we're used to looking at him at an RBI since opening day, I mean, that's insane. But also stuff like his whiff rate, his hard hit rate, all of these things are going the wrong direction. So it's it's all there. I mean, he just, he's just a different hitter right now. And the only thing you can look at and say is he, what changed for him really is his whole routine is off because he can't, he can't go make those little minor tweaks. But then with other guys, you know, Jackie Bradley, Tim Hire said it the other day that they, he started the year going really good and he was kind of going to off the field a little bit, feeding some shifts. And now they have just started pitching him in and it's a matter of he has to make that adjustment, but, Again, shortened season. So when he has one good week and then one bad week, it it all gets amplified, you know. And it's like he he has to make those adjustments. Taking a week to make the adjustment is uh, that that's forever, you know. I mean that's right. that's basically taking a month to make the adjustment. Um, well, I Ben yeah, and Cindy, you wonder. About, I mean Ben and Cindy right now is is literally might be the worst hitter in baseball by the numbers. I mean he has been unbelievably bad, two hits all season. That That's unthinkable. And with something like that, you wonder how much that sort of the intangible of a 60-game season where he's being asked to lead off, and he obviously wants it, right? He, he wants to be that table setter. He wants to be able to sort of help out and play his role. But if you get off to a slow start, which Ben and Cindy's been prone to, I mean, in his career, he, it's been very common for him to have a bad first week or so. And then he kind of gets some traction and he gets it going. But in this situation, you wonder, does Benintendi have a bad week? And he knows that bad week is basically the equivalent of almost three bad weeks. Then does he start to press a little bit and he can't have the same conversations that he normally would with, with J.D. or with hires or with whoever else to kind of help get him out of this? And does it all snowball because of the environment in which he's playing, right? Like he's used to coming off to a bad start, having a bad first week, and then he gets it going. Is it harder to then get it going? Because of everything else
1: that's going on, I think you bring up a great point. I, it reminds me of the old there's an old Peanuts cartoon
2: uh, where Charlie Brown is trying
1: to work through something, and Lucy says, "Don't come to me with your stupid problems." And you know, I mean, normally everybody goes to JD. He's hitting mm-hmm. 346, so he's happy to help everybody else. Well, right, right now he's he's plugging 346, so it's, it's got to be, "Don't come to me with your stupid problems," because oh, he, you totally, know, he yeah. can't. Right, he can't figure it out himself, and it was staggering, Chad. I mean, to see Ben Benintendi in the fourth inning the other day, getting pinch hit for by Kevin Pillar. I mean, you know that that's such desperate time to call for desperate measures kind of stuff. But then you're right; you look at the calendar and realize, you know, there's 40 games left in the season because of, of what 2020 is.
2: Yeah, and and, and that, that that is magnified, right? That that one, even though you say, "Oh gosh, it's the fourth inning." in the fifteenth game of the season, fourteenth game of the season, whatever it was. It, that matters. I mean they, they need that win so much more. And and look, Ron Renke's been around the game for so long. And he is he is just a he just is a genuinely nice man who you know in a normal circumstance, I don't think there's any way he that, that that's embarrassing for Benintendi, right? To be pulled in that situation. I mean it is a it is a show of we just don't believe you can get the hit in this situation that that's that's a tough message to send two weeks into the year, and you know Renicky's well aware of it I mean Renicky was not a guy who his career was you know as kind of an up and down part time player he I think he is very uh very aware of what it what it feels like to be in those situations. So for a guy like that, for a manager like that to make that move shows you that he just he he knows that's the that's the decision he has to make right now. I mean he there's no way he feels good making that move and having to tell Benintendi, I don't believe in you in this situation. But he it, it had reached a point even after only two weeks, it had reached the point where he just he had to do it because of uh, of the, the the way everything is so magnified.
1: So Ron Reneke, who obviously, look, uh, he's trying to prove himself in an impossible situation. And the, the one thing that you heard a lot early is that he just didn't believe enough in Mitch, right? I mean, Mitch Moreland had another great day Sunday. Uh, you know, he walked off Thomas' Hatch. They, they win it 5-3, a second homer of the game. So it becomes very apparent to everybody who's been around Mitch. And, and, look, I've known Mitch since he came up with the Rangers back in 2010, I guess it was. Uh, I get it. He's always kind of underrated, overlooked. He's not the, the sexiest player when it comes to big stats. He can't stay healthy, whatever. But, uh, you know, a, another monster start. And people are like, boy, you know, if you just would have believed in Mitch from game one, uh, I get it. But it is, I guess it's kind of a two prong thing for you. But how's Ron Rennecke doing? And can Mitch keep this up? Well, let's take those two things kind of point by point.
2: Yeah. Well, I think he's, you can see that he's, Ron is, is changing the way he's doing it, right? I mean, this was all about, you know, showing that, you know, sort of having a plan and sticking to it. But now we're seeing already after two weeks. I mean, Ryan weber has been sent down. Andrew Benintendi's getting pinch hit for in the middle of the game. He is uh, just what well, was it Sunday night when he, you know, was talking about Moreland. He also left him in to face a lefty late in the game showing some faith in him there and also knowing, planning ahead, going, okay, I need, I'm going to need Moreland later in the game. And then Mitch ends up hitting the walk-off. So I do think Ron is adjusting from his own, uh, what his style would be in the normal year. I mean, I think that Ron would be more of a patient guy, um, but we've seen it, you know, and then gosh, even earlier in the year, very early in the year when they, they took Jonathan Lucroy off the roster to add an extra pitcher. I mean, is a is a Renegade guy, you know, that's, Part of the reason he's here is because Ron knows him from their, their time together in Milwaukee. So I, I think that Ron is, you know, I, you can argue whether it's working or not, but I do think that he's adjusting and trying to change some of the way that he does things to uh, to fit within this season and within these particular challenges. Um, but it's also, you know, I mean, what can you do? Like there's only so much a manager can do when Finn and Cindy Devers and J.D. Martinez are hitting the way that they are. And when the rotation is basically Nathan Evaldi, Martin Perez, and then God knows who's next. You know what I mean? Like there's just, it's just I, I don't know exactly how much of this is, uh, th- there's only so much Renicky can control, but I think that he's trying to, and also to the Red Sox great credit, they've, they've stayed healthy. I mean, they have not really had any injury issues so far. You know, uh, what sounds like a kind of a minor ankle issue with, with Devers right now, but otherwise, staying healthy both in terms of just the normal baseball injuries and also free of COVID since since summer camp opened. You know, they haven't had anybody test positive again. I think that's a good sign. Um, as for Moreland, the other thing he's running up against is, yeah, the track record that he has for getting hurt. I think Renicky is understandably nervous about that. You know, it's a for Mitch to have to miss some time, whether it, you know, sometimes it may just be two or three weeks, sometimes it's a month. Well, now in this season, that's that's too much time to miss, you know. So I do think there's a there's some extra concern there of, you know, if we do lose this guy for a little bit and he has another one of those little nagging injuries, um, he really is sort of carrying the team right now, and they they've got to do what they can to avoid that. Um, but you wonder how long how long can they continue to play it safe like that? You know, they you understand why they're they're a little bit cautious with Mitch, but at some point, if he still is the B guy who's who's driving in all the runs. and They're just going to have to play him and and hope it works.
1: Great stuff with Chad Jennings. We've got him for just a few more minutes. We've talked a lot of hitting. I know you're about to start writing about the pitching. Brian Johnson won't be part of it going forward. That news coming down very recently. Uh, Your take on that, and also I want to ask you about Nate Aldi, who reintroduced the curveball in his last start, was getting Mm -hmm. swings and misses, and was terrific. So uh, Brian Johnson out, Nate Evaldi healthy and way in. Uh, let me get your your take on those two guys.
2: Yeah, well, Evaldi's been great. I mean, Evaldi's always had really good stuff, and it's always been a matter of uh, of, of, one, getting enough swings and misses on his fastball. You know, he has a ton of velocity, and he throws a lot of strikes. I mean, for a guy who throws as hard as he does, he throws a ton of strikes. But it's obviously there's there's just not a lot of deception there. So that velocity has never been as overwhelming as it should be. And he's never had that go-to secondary pitch. I mean, you've seen him try everything, curveball, slider, splits. I mean, he's, he's worked with a lot of different stuff to try to give himself something else to get guys off of his velocity. And it, it seems to be working this year. I mean, you know, again, you look at if they had – if Sale if – were healthy and Eduardo Rodriguez were healthy and Nathan Ivaldi were the number three, you know, they put themselves in a risky spot obviously with their pitching depth, but if they'd kept those two guys healthy, this would be a really, this might be a very different thing that we're looking at here. um cuz just has been really good. He's been that sort of strong more number two, three type that they were hoping they'd have when they signed him. Um, but again, it's the depth issue and, and they, they, it's a lot of kind of cross your fingers type guys who are rounding out the rotation right now, uh, Dylan Covey and, and uh, Zach Godley and the sort of guys that they picked up. And I think as they kept picking up those guys, it had to become obvious to Brian Johnson that they're, they're just trying to find alternatives to him, right? I mean, he is of the in-house guys. Brian Johnson is the one who has a little bit of a track record. He's been in the big leagues. He started up here. The Red Sox know who he is and what he can do, but they just keep trying to find, they keep finding these retreads that they would rather have. They're, they obviously see something in Dylan Covey see something in Zach Godley that they like, and they would rather have that over Brian Johnson. So Brian understandably says, look, then just let me go, right? I mean, you it, it can right. understand the, the desire to just go, okay, look, just, if, if you don't believe I'm the guy for this, then let me go somewhere else and, and, and try it. And and I would guess some team will give him a shot. I mean, you know, especially look back at 18. I mean, Brian Johnson was an important part of that team. He, he oh, that Seattle in game. The, yeah. I am sure the Mariners remember oh, sure. him quite yeah. well. Yeah. Huge game for sure. But also just the role that he played, he played that sort of thankless role of spot starter, long man, kind of did a little bit of everything. He's a guy you needed to get through 162. Now, once they got in the playoffs, he wasn't the real impact guy, so he doesn't sit on the playoff roster. But he helped them get there. In 2018, that team was as good as it was, partially because it had a guy like Brian Johnson to, to help out. So he had some good moments here, but he's never been sort of the standout that I think they'd hoped for when they drafted him. And, and so now he's out, and, you know, it's kind of who who else are you going to figure out? Who, who How do you go about figuring – how do you go about figuring out who is the, the next guy who's ready in Pawtucket when what Pawtucket is is just a series of inter-squad games, right? It's a right. It has to be such an odd thing where you know they're going to need more pitching depth here pretty soon. And uh, and so far, they've gone with sort of known quantities, right? I mean, it has been Zach Godley. It has been Dylan Covey, It's been the guys who have a track record in the big leagues who they sort of know who they are and, and what they have. Now, how do you evaluate to figure out? You know, is Kyle Hart ready? Is Tanner Houck yeah, pitching well it, enough it, 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 where he's ready? It's a harder way to figure. It. I mean, they, that evaluation is gonna it has to be much much harder right now because he's basically just pitching in spring training workouts, and now you have to figure out what that means.
1: Yeah, Ryan Weber and Matt Hall were your number three and four starters. They've already been dispatched. I mean, I would say to Pawtucket, and geographically that's true, but it's really just an internment camp is all it is. I mean, it's this whole year just so weird. But, hey, Chad, you're covering it beautifully. I'm looking forward to reading the the pitching take that you've got coming in your next piece for the Athletic. Your your hitting breakdown earlier this week was fantastic. Thanks again, buddy. Stay safe. We'll talk soon.
2: Thanks. Sounds good. Thanks so much. I appreciate it.
1: Chad Jennings of The Athletic, thank you very, very kindly. And you can always check him out, of course, if you subscribe to The Athletic. Or We don't have a stake in that, but we just think it's a pretty good website. So going forward here, again, I mentioned I love the idea if you're going to have a mediocre season, which it looks like the Red Sox are going to have, start seeing what you got. What else? What can we start looking forward to? Bobby Dahlbeck, to me, is one of those guys. So maybe if they're out of it in the middle of September or something, we do see some Bobby Dahlbeck and you know Michael Chavis came up last year and kind of turned everybody's heads. Dahlbeck could be that guy going forward. We're gonna hear from him momentarily. A reminder, this episode is also sponsored by our good friends, our new friends, Score Metrics, sports trading system. You've heard of Sabermetrics, the analytic model that's propelled the the A's to be competitive, right, all throughout this century. So, meet Score Metrics, a system that legendary sports bettor John Todora has used to propel himself into a multi million dollar lifestyle in record time. Score Metrics supplying millions of relevant data points. Is it data or data? John could probably let us know that, but it, he's got custom proprietary analytic models. They uh, pinpoint winning formulas all through last year's baseball season. Score Metrics produced a 217% gain. And the back-tested results of the members-only alert system based purely off the score metrics method. How about a, I mean, it's ridiculous, a 6,796% compounded ROI over the last four years? That, that's ridiculous numbers right there, but uh, very easy to do. You just kind of follow along uh, right on your favorite betting app. And for the first time ever, John's opening up access to this score metric system. So If you want your access, kind of dip your your beak here a little bit and see what this is all about. You can start placing some high-probability bets by going and uh, finding out what it's all about. Visit sportstradingsystems.com slash podcast. That's sportstradingsystems.com slash podcast. Actually, a backslash podcast. You guys know how to do that. But uh, that's our new sponsor. We're happy to have them. And it introduces Bobby Dahlbeck to us now. This is uh, where we wanted to end this podcast here today because, again, we don't know if we'll actually see him or hear him during the course of this irregular season. But you've probably done enough research on your own to know he was a pitcher in college, a very good one, for a very high-quality program, the Arizona Wildcats. He was a fourth-round pick in 2016, just like Shane Bieber, for example, and what a year he's having for the Indians. That's a guy that stayed on the pitching track out of UC Santa Barbara. Dahlbeck decided to change it up be a hitter and that's going okay last year i know he hit only 239 but with a lot of pop 27 home runs 73 runs batted in they put him on the 40 man and the covid then showed up so we knew that his season would be paused a little bit this year power bat good defender you guys want to meet him here was the interview with bobby dahlbeck from back in spring training In terms of your childhood, that's where I always start, Um, when did baseball become the thing, as opposed to the other
0: things? Um, You know, I was born in Seattle, and my parents both love baseball, so we go to Mariners games, you know, quite frequently. so I think when I was about three years old, um, mm-hmm. I started like you know loving it and playing in the backyard. We had like a big hedge in the backyard that we would call the Green Monster. Funny well, enough. Um, so I think that's that's kind of where I've just I've you know, not really stopped since. Do you have any pre-implosion to the Kingdom memories? Or are you all Safeco Field? I was all Safeco Field. Yeah. My dad, I think my dad was at that. Um, ALDS game against the Yankees wow the Edgar Martinez. We're Edgar, yeah, Edgar yeah, Martinez. Yeah, I think my dad was there. Yeah.
1: So for people who don't know, you now go to that stadium on Edgar Martinez Drive. I mean, yeah, that, he's that big of a deal yeah. there. Who were your guys growing up?
0: Um, you know, Edgar Griffey was a big one. Um, a Rod, you know, those those two. You know, I, I was a big fan of Brett Boone too, yeah, back in the day right too. Booney Batflip. Booney Batflip, yeah. And I've actually got to talk to him on the phone. He actually, you know, he says Booney Batflip, you know, in third person, which is pretty funny. But, but,
1: well, you know, if, if Twitter was a thing back then, yeah. that would be such the hashtag, right? Great.
0: Yeah, it would have been great. Um, and I've talked to Edgar, too, about hitting, you know, when I was in the Cape Cod League. Um, he's, you know, he's awesome, too. So it's cool to be able to, you know, talk with, you know, a couple of those guys that I grew up looking up to.
1: I'm glad you brought up the Cape League. I want to ask you about that experience because that endears you to Red Sox fans, yeah. right, if you've already been on, yeah. on the Cape. But, you know, people, they, they see the movie with Freddie Prince Jr., they think it's exactly like that. Yeah. Is it exactly like that or not really?
0: Um, it is pretty close, I think. Um, you know, not as much partying, I don't think, um, just because host families, you know, have we had curfews and all that stuff. Oh, you did? Okay. Yeah, we had yeah. curfews and all that stuff, and none of us were – no, I wasn't 21 when I was ever in the Cape, so I wasn't really right. going to bars or anything like that. But, um, you know, going to the field, you know, doing your own field and, you know, like I would play third base in Orleans and I would rake third base after the games, you know, wow, like yeah, wow. there's no ground, like you're the grounds crew. So it was pretty cool. Point of order. What time was the curfew? Uh, I think it was 1130, 12. Something well, that's like not that. unfair. Yeah, that's not right? Yeah, okay. not horrible. Uh, what what was your host family all about
1: and do you still stay in touch with
0: them yeah I talked to them I had them for two years um, the Thompson family Rodian Page and they're great you know they're house five minutes from the five minutes walking from the beach um yeah they had a yellow jeep wrangler for me to drive so it was, oh, it was cool. cool yeah, we yeah. Had, i had, like my own loft and everything it was, it was awesome it was a good experience
1: back to your days in in seattle were you a huskies fan growing up did you follow college did you think about that
0: uh, um my mom went to washington state so okay. we were kind of cougar fans um but i, I moved to southern california when i was five and lived there So I was 13 and moved to Denver. Um, and then now I live in Arizona in the offseason. Right. You get the so.
1: entire Pac-12 coverage, I mean, yeah, literally. Right. Yeah, right. my dad's
0: in the music business for uh, with Atlantic Records, so we've kind of bounced around just because of that. Um, but, you know, it's cool.
1: Last thing uh, is That's that cool. exact path. I didn't want to kill you on your dad's yeah. background, but when people find out that exact fact, I, I would think everybody wants to be your best friend. I mean, that yeah. sounds like the most.
0: What exactly does he do? Uh, he's one of the VPs of promotions with Atlantic Records, so um, handles a lot of like meet and greet, deals with the radio stations a lot. Whenever bands are in town, he you know, makes sure everything goes right. Um, yeah, yeah. But he does a lot more than that with them just because 'cause he's been with him for so long. Right. So,
1: but he's got to be very social, right? I mean, to, yeah, be to do very, that. Job. Yeah, he's
0: very. He's a lot more social than I am. Um, he's yeah, he, he's good with us. I mean, he worked with, so he worked with Robert Plant when he was solo back in the day and stuff. And, you know, I grew up like going to Matchbox Twenty concerts and um, you know Kid Rock and you know all that, all that good stuff. So,
1: do you find that there's a crossover? I mean, you're geeked up to meet Kid Rock. Is he geeked up to meet athletes? Does it work both uh, ways?
0: I haven't, I haven't, I haven't seen Kid Rock forever, so I wouldn't know. But uh, you know, I met like I saw Rob again for the first time in, like eight years. Um, this offseason, he was doing an acoustic show in Phoenix. My dad is in town. So I got to see him again after like eight, nine years. So it was pretty cool being able to see Rob again.
1: Who are your go-to bands now if you had to beg dad for
0: access? Um, I don't know. That's tough. Um, Not necessarily as many bands that are with Atlantic Records. You know, I'm a big, like, classic rock guy. So, you know, last offseason I saw, like, Elton John and Fleetwood Mac. And, you know, Foo Fighters aren't classic yet. They will be. But, you know, Foo Fighters and Red Hot Chili Peppers and all that stuff. So I go to a lot of concerts. Um, But, yeah, so, um, you know, he's been good. That's why, you know, I'm fairly musically inclined. You know, I started teaching myself piano uh, last off season and then you know, I'm learning guitar right now, the spring training. So I'm doing guitar instead of piano during the season.
1: Yeah, well, much easier to travel a guitar yeah, than a, a piano. I'm a, I'm a keyboard guy yeah, cool. and I used to travel a mini one with the yeah. Mets and the equipment guys they cut yeah. it out because yeah. guitar is a lot easier. Yeah. Um, what did you think of the Elton John show? It was awesome. Right? Uh, yeah,
0: he was, he was awesome. Yeah. It, was, it was super cool. 70-whatever and he's still yeah, brain. He it. sounds great. Yeah, he sounded great. Um, you know, still plays the piano like hell so it's, yeah, it's crazy exactly yeah you're right yeah
1: uh very last one i promise but uh one quickie baseball thing mm-hmm. are you
0: when i ask this of everybody are, are you a goal setter i mean do you say okay this is the year i do the, or does it not matter um i set like little goals yeah. so like daily um, goals and then, you know those kind of end up amounting to more than just trying to chase one big one the whole time um for me that's just how i work um obviously it is. You know, lifelong goals, dreams that are, you know, set from a young but age. If you're not
1: a major league all-star by 25, that's not going to crush your no, spirit. No, I
0: don't. Yeah, I don't really set I don't really set that that kind of stuff. You know, I just want to get a little bit better every day and, you know, keep working on what they think I need to work on and, you know, improve.
1: Perfect answer. Thank you, buddy. Oh, yeah, yeah, appreciate you. you Good luck with everything. Yeah, thank Thanks. Thanks. Nice kid, right? Bobby Dahlbeck. We appreciate his time. And, uh, again, his time as a college baseball two-way player really showcased his ability. And, you know, the mid-'90s guy with his fastball... If you look at the 2016 College World Series, Arizona went all the way through into the final, and against Oklahoma State in that championship series, Dahlbeck had an eight-inning game, one run, he struck out 12, but they lost that game one to nothing. So, really interesting guy. I hope he makes it. I'm just glad he spent some time with us here. Glad you guys did the same thing. Always nice to have you for Red Sox beat. Thanks to Chad Jennings again for stopping by. Welcome our new sponsor as well, uh, the Score Metrics Sports trading system people we appreciate them very much appreciate you taking the time as always we'll be back a week from now with more and hopefully some more winning red sox baseball this is josh lewin this is red sox beat from clns